And what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Designated Players and MLS Podcast. I'm here with Ben and Trey from the Upper 90 Podcast. Upper 90 Club Podcast, excuse me. It's all good. Tip of the hat. And we are here to... Yep, we are here to preview the Columbus Crews 2024 season. Guys, how you doing? How are you? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're fantastic. It's um, Yeah, thanks for reaching out and give whatever info we can. Yeah, super excited to have you guys on and and chat about the the season after greatness. We're we're following up an MLS Cup and then we're going to go see where we go from there. Um, Probably another cup. No big deal. Really happy you guys are here. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever. Um still waiting for my first one here in Red Bull Land, but it's whatever. Um we are really excited to dive into this stuff, but before we dive into any of that, we got to dive into Scarf of the Week. You guys have a ton of them behind you. You guys want to point out maybe one of your favorites or or what you're rocking over your neck? Go right ahead. I'll I'll maybe Trey, you want to go first? Yeah. Um so I've got all the ones that are my favorites hanging behind me, but the most unique one that I brought out was the six one four in the um, well this the the four Columbus colors the jersey they did a couple of years ago. Oh, so nice! So it's not the tip, not the typical black and gold, and uh, just something different. Yeah, I love that, Ben. What you got? I got this. What is this bad boy? I just grabbed it off the ground. Uh, it is the. I don't even remember who made this. I don't even know if you can see this. It is like it looks like a a wrestling belt and it has like the crew logo in the middle. And then it says like, you know, champs and it has our, it, this was before the third, the third star. So it had our, our two champions on both sides, kind of like a, uh, a wrestler's belt. So I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe a girdle. Now that we have a uh, three champions, maybe like a tri scarf. That's awesome. That's such a cool look. I love the design of them both. I think they're both very unique, uh, a little bit cooler than the one I'm rocking. Um, Kind of, I won't say basic, but it's a, it's just the yellow and black Columbus crew. It's got the OG logo on it, uh, which I really yeah. like about it. It's kind of my favorite part about it. I miss miss the OG logo. I think it's one of the uh, the, the better crests that that we've seen in in MLS over the last near thirty years now. So yeah. it was um, it was a really really I, I enjoy it. I think it's got sp- oh. yeah, it's very MLS one like that three hard hat guys. It's like yeah. We get it. Yep. We're still feeling things out. Yeah, and and you know that that was such a cool, cool you know storyline behind it all and how it all came together. It's got a little bit of special meaning to me because uh, I got it because John Bush asked me to do it. We did an interview with him uh, back in season three, I think. And uh, when I asked him which of his teams uh, I should get a scarf for to celebrate our our interview, with zero hesitation, he said the Columbus Crew. So um, oh yeah, this oh, one awesome. this one's for Bushy and. Uh, he uh he he influenced it so real happy to have it oh man club legend kind of actually no he is good yeah. guy yeah yeah i definitely definitely think he he fits that criteria for sure um but as much as we love talking about players from past columbus crew uh we definitely would love to chat a little bit about what is coming up next so right now we're looking at wilford nancy taking over the second season of columbus and I guess you could say his first ended pretty well uh, with a little piece of silverware called the MLS Cup. They did finish in third in the East, third overall with 57 points, 16 wins, nine losses, nine draws. Uh, of course, one MLS Cup. 
I mean, you guys have been here, done that kind of. You know, the uh, the 2008 one is something that I still kind of can remember Sorry about that. to this day. But, um, you know, you guys you guys are out <laughs> here. How did it feel to, to take home another piece of silverware? And, and where, where are you feel? How are you feeling right now going into to 2024? Yeah, I mean, really surreal. I mean, to have a first year coach be able to take the team and, and kind of hit the reset button, reformat it. Along the way, you've got players coming out, players, you know, going in, and he just really elevated the expectations of this club, especially going into year two, um, with so many people coming back, with a lot of players that never went through a training camp, now having months with the club and going through a training camp, expectations are extremely high for me. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, winning the cup was amazing, and it, it wasn't like the twenty twenty. MLS Cup that we won because that was like, you know, COVID year. There was not a lot of people. It was a very awkward year. So it felt, it didn't feel like a proper, you know, cup win. There was a lot of like, a lot of people had asterisks on that season and whatnot. Um, but also that was a first year coach too, I think. I think that was Porter's first year. So, yeah, I mean, going into this 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 upcoming season, I, I mean, if you're, if you're the reigning MLS Cup champs, you're going to just want to repeat especially when you lose what one person yeah i mean that's kind of what we're looking at here too is um <laughs> as a neutral we're looking at columbus like you you somehow lost one of the best attacking players in the league and then instant i mean the instant replacement from zellerionda rossi and and while they might have different play styles like that that's that's just not really heard of i mean maybe just from my point of view in mls where you can lose somebody of that quality and instantly have a replacement. And the drop-off is basically non-existent. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to talk about, about Nancy's system and, and the way that he plays and the players that, that fit the system. Um, it all came together super, super well. Um, and, but I'm sure we'll dive into that as, as we move on here. It's not been the most busy offseason, mainly because you don't need to do a lot of roster revamp when you win the entire league. Um, however, I was curious if you guys have a, a an idea of who the best addition might have been this offseason for you guys. Oh man, I mean, it's got to the, the main the big signing was the the Marino Henostrozo. Henostrozo. Um, yeah, I would. I can't even say his name. Um, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, he was like the big, you know, 21 under 22 initiative Colombian from Pachuca. You know, the highlight reel looks great, but every highlight reel looks great. But from what I understand from the fans down there, they were saying this guy is is awesome. Um, it was interesting because he didn't have that many goals or assists. So, uh, but the thing is with with Bez, the guy who um, our sporting director, like he he's able to identify people that I don't you know, know or see or rate. And he's able to, with, with uh, Wilfred, figure out like who exactly we need and, and put them in. Like we can get into more of the other, the other players, like, um, like Derek Jones. Well, yeah, go ahead. For me, I think that Derek Jones is going to be a big one, but I think a wild card is, is the 18 year old, uh, Taha Habrun, who was playing for crew two last yeah. year um, to see if he gets some minutes under, under Nancy and, and to see what he can do in that system, um, it, it, currently an 18-year-old kid who's who's playing for the national team at different levels, 
Um, so that, that'll be really interesting. That's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I would say probably my, would, my the it, one I want to see the most is actually Will Sands, uh, James Sands' brother, who got injured in the beginning of the season. That dude at the beginning of last season was unstoppable, like almost unplayable. Uh, he made people like right backs look silly. Like, I mean, Brooks Lennon is a great footballer, and he just burnt him down the line. And then he, you know, got taken out because turf's still a thing in this sport for some odd reason. But he's back to 100% from what I understand. And, like, I, I have a feeling he, he's going to be the biggest impact player from the current pool that we have that are coming back. So it's not even like a new signing, but it feels like it. Yeah, 100%. I, I have a, a reserved judgment on Will Sands because I have a section that we'll talk about him later. Um, but I, I agree with you guys on Derek Jones. I think he's going to have a really good impact on this team, mainly because of his versatility. I'm fairly certain I remember watching him. I believe it was in Charlotte. And over the course of a 34-game season, I think he played six positions. From striker to a center mid to a six to a center back to an outside back. Uh, and he might have gone into as a number 10 at one point. I mean, the dude can play anywhere. And I mean, Nancy has done really, really well at finding homes for players who fit that sort of mold, right? Um, you look at Malte Amundsen at New York City. Malte Amundsen was a pure left wing back, attacking, attacking, attacking. He slid him in at left center back, and he was phenomenal. Uh, same thing with uh, Mo Farsi playing as that, that right winger is another one that kind of popped out to me where um, I think he has a lot of success there where other teams might not have used him there might have used him more maybe as a pure winger or a pure defender, but Nancy's found a way to get the best of, out of both worlds with him. Um, so really excited to see Derek Jones because I think he's going to give you a lot of impact in a lot of different areas, and that's just going to elevate your game significantly. Yeah, I, I fully anticipate he'll start out at keeper game one against Atlanta, knowing Nancy. <laughs> he's just going to be like, this is what you do now, and he's like, I'm a keeper. Okay, cool. <laughs> totally wouldn't be surprised because he's that versatile. I think this is going to be probably one of the tougher questions to ask because I don't think there was as much turnover as other teams, but what's the biggest loss? Who's the biggest person that you're missing from last season to this season? Uh, yeah. The name that that comes out right away is Gressel. So the, Gressel was weird. It was, um, he came into the team and he was kind of asked to do something he doesn't normally do. I mean, he's not a Wilfred Nancy wingback. He was like a pure winger that puts in crosses and we strive to hit the end line and, you know, bring it in or it, we, we don't, we don't have like a target nine. It's more just mayhem up front. Um, but I'm looking back, even the Sensi game right before the, the uh, end of the season, um, he was very much responsible for like two of the goals. Like he was, when we struggled to get service in the box, he was there to provide that. And the thing that I, I don't see that out of Mo Farsi, I don't see that out of any of our other wingers. So like, that is one thing, you know, we don't have that wild card anymore. I mean, that's like one of like three players we lost, no. but like that would probably be the one. Yeah. I, I think you're correct in saying, I mean, definitely Gressel, his impact on the game and what he's capable of doing was probably the biggest player. Um, honestly, one of the biggest squad guys that would be Josh Williams, um, him retiring at the end of last year, I think might have a big impact on this locker room and, and leadership stand, stepping up. Um, you've got big guys in there, Nagby and, and Morris. And um, so there probably won't be a huge drop off, but 
I think that's something to, to look at. You know, Josh was definitely a guy who sacrificed it all and um, definitely paid his dues. Yeah, I think uh, I think you guys have kind of picked out the two that I was looking at too. Uh, I'll throw an honorable mention in there for Kevin Molino. Um, you know, going through the injuries that he that he had was was tough, but um, again, seems like a guy that you walk into a locker room and he makes it better, right? He he's a guy that no matter what he's going through or what the team's going through, he's always got this positive outlook on things, um, and, and that that's always tough to lose from a locker room. But uh, again, yep. when when you're coming off of a, a championship season, there shouldn't be too much, uh, too much of sour grapes in there. So, um, nope. yeah, can't, you know, again, I don't think there's really a loss that you can level as a like devastating, how are you ever going to replace this guy loss? Even, even Julian Russell, you mentioned it. Um, he didn't play a ton because he didn't do the defensive work. So, you know, you're, you're, it's not, you're replacing a guy who gave you uh, 2,500 minutes, you know, I think he, I think I looked at it, it was somewhere closer to seven or eight when he, when he came over. So, um, you know, it definitely interesting there because you've got pretty much the entire, the entire group coming back, which is uh, really interesting, but there is, I'm, I'm assuming there's still going to be some room for some players to, I'll use in air quotes, breakout uh, players who we need to keep an eye on and, and who might have a, a much bigger role than they did last year, or maybe uh, brand new faces that people haven't heard of who are going to be uh, super solid. Do you guys have anybody who uh, our listeners should keep an eye on this season? Yeah, I mentioned earlier, but but Taha Habrun, uh, the 18-year-old, um, coming up from Crew Two, earning a first-team contract, will be he'll be a player that that I think will will step in, um, and he'll grow throughout the season to where I think by the end of the year he'll make a big impact. Um, yeah, so that that's that's my one that I would definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, a shout to Aiden Morris. I, you know, he he's probably looking at a move. It, it's just hard because our history with Crew Sixes is they don't really move on to like, you know, a, a different team, like a better team. They like, you know, Will Trap stayed. Um, it, I would just assume that come the you know the first transfer window that they'll be looking at him. It also depends how Cucho plays i mean if he comes out and like slaps in like seven goals or something like that i would not be surprised if he makes a move back to one of the bigger leagues i mean he was there before um and the only other shout really is schulte like i also anticipate that he we have a history of sending you know u.s keepers abroad i would not be surprised because he's still super young um and he's he's a phenomenal player he's got the right build he's huge He's a great shot stopper and he can distribute. So those are the ones I would say would be somebody to look at as far as like up and coming would be Taha. The other ones are like people that possibly could get a move within the first half of the year. For sure. And I think those are all really good shouts. I'm really excited about Taha. He's one of the, uh, another of, it seemed like a a ton of them who came from, I believe the U 17 uh, world cup team. Is that right? Yeah, um, correct. And I think that he, he's one of about 13 of those guys who got MLS homegrown contracts this season. So um, they, there's something in the water down there at, at youth national team camp and, <laughs> and they're making some good players. So I'd be excited to see what he comes out to be. Um, Aiden Morris, we have listed when they did the 22-22, we actually uh, re-ranked it and Aiden Morris overwhelmingly made our number one spot at the 22-22. Wow, number one. Uh, he was our 
yeah, our number one ranked center center mid, center defensive mid. Uh, that dude's got all the tools and then some to be elite. I'm going to use the term elite. Um, Patrick Schulte, I think, is also a great shout. When we talked, we did a little recap of uh, the Eastern Conference uh, sem- uh, Eastern Conference Finals uh, and that save that he made to kind of turn the tide. Yeah. I believe the way my, my co-host put it was everybody in the – MLS world talks about the Stefan Fry save in the MLS cup about, you know, how he, he yep. went on the Josie header. Patrick Schulte's save might've been better than that Stefan Fry save because of what it did and turned the whole tide around and, and got them to be able to come back in, in there. I think he has a ton, a ton of potential and a lot of the tools to be successful at the next level. I've got two names that I'm watching. One of them was already mentioned. I said, I was going to kind of sneak back to it. Uh, and that's Will Sands, right? Uh, that injury took out somebody who we thought was going to be massive last year. Uh, I can't remember the name of the player, but if I remember correctly, they let go of, uh, I believe, Pedro Santos, actually. They let go of Pedro yeah, Santos went, because oh, yeah. of Will, yeah. uh, Will Sands, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and Pedro Santos was was killing it at left back for, for that season. So they rated him that highly. And then, of course, that injury comes in, and it's devastating. But if he can come back and step back into that role that he was doing, and you mentioned he was making defenders look silly, um, really excited to see what he can do. Uh, and Jason Russell Rowe is my my kind of sleeper. If he can get involved, and I know you mentioned Cucho, uh, if he's sticking around, or if he's not, if he doesn't and uh, Russell Rowe becomes number two, I think you see him step in. I, his per 90 numbers were insane last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's definitely a favorite of, of quite a few of us on the podcast, and – we would love to see him get more minutes and especially meaning meaningful minutes where he's not just chasing the ball and trying to maintain possession because he he's got a bright spot especially for the crew and the Canadian national team yeah he's he's definitely a a, a striker's striker you know what i mean like so when when he was coming in games we were typically up especially towards the last half of the season so he was tasked with just kind of like run around chase the ball that type of thing there wasn't any there wasn't anything like go out there and create go out there and score get you know go out there and get on the end of something but when he had to he was able to score i, I we watched him with crew too yeah. i mean he's just he's scary man he's got a knack in the box for finishing stuff and it's just i mean the the problem that you're going to see with you know russell Rowe is that it's just there's so many people up top you know you've got cucho matan and Rossi, and then chances Rossi. are, I mean, yep. Nazi doesn't really sub that much, and when he does, he'll bring in Ramirez. So, you know, and you also have him and Arston. He just, it's, he's really good, but I mean, it's, there's just a lot of people he's got to compete with, and like, I, I would not be surprised if he moved. If I were him, I'd move. He's not getting playing time, and I think he's good <laughs> enough. Yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder if a loan to uh, maybe a, a champion, a USL championship side would be on the cards. Weekly minutes, higher level than MLS Next Pro. Um, we've seen a lot of a lot of people starting to make that move. I think uh, the, the first one that comes to mind is uh, uh, Damian Loss, the goalkeeper from Austin, a, a guy who definitely has first team potential. Uh, is sitting behind Brad Stuver and basically won a game time that wasn't against. MLS next pro guys. So they found him a, a spot in, in USLC. And, and a lot of people have taken that, that role. I wonder if he's maybe the next guy in that, in, in that theme, because I think, it, I think it would benefit him to keep him playing. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Just, he's, he's really big on uh Wilfred's really big on youth and youth development. 
that's kind of one of his mo's. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ramirez kind of took a little step back, and we saw a lot more from Russell Rowe. Again, I don't know what training looks like with him. I just know like the on-field stuff, but I, I just I I have this fear that we're going to lose him to a trade or something like that, and then he's going to go on a tear for like Vancouver or something like that, or he's going to go back to Canada somewhere, and it's just going to be like, "Daggone it, man!" Like, I I I don't want him to start over Rossi necessarily or you know Matan, but. I didn't want to lose him either. You know, it's kind of like the, our, our, uh, crew two guy, uh, Courtois, the coach. I was like, I don't want to lose him. Like, so we're going to lose Nancy probably at the end of this season to, I don't know, probably like PSG or something like that. So I'm just like, well, it'd be nice to just like keep our people and then we can, you know, use them next year, but that's not really how it works. So I, I fully anticipate if he doesn't get minutes, he's going to, his agent's going to move him, which is, yeah. Yeah, that that'd be funny. You, you'd get you'd be the next team to get Brian White. Yeah, mm-hmm. when Re- Red Bull <laughs> Red Bull move him on, couldn't score to save his life. Goes over to Vancouver. They put a single decent attacking midfielder behind him, and he drops fifteen goals a season. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> um, I guess I guess one thing I'd like to ask you is you're looking at this team from from an inside you know the way we look at it, as an insider's point of view. What's the one question you still have about this side? What is the one thing that they still need to answer for you, if anything at all? You know, I think we were chatting about this earlier today. Um, one of my biggest questions is what's the evolution look like next for, for, for the system, for Nancy's system? Um, you know, how is he going to evolve when people adapt to what he's currently doing? That's what I'm most interested in, and I honestly don't know what it looks like. Um I'm really curious to see throughout the second season what happens, how he adjusts, how he plays people. You know, I, I honestly have no idea, but it is something that I am intently looking at to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, I think his general thing is, you know, I, you know what we're going to do. Just come out and try to beat us doing it. And then no one was able to do that. Uh my my big thing looking at yeah, I want to see what wrinkles I want to see the wrinkles gross no one wants wrinkles <laughs> uh yeah I would say our road going on the road and getting points was like abysmal like if we would have tied like four of those games we win the supporter shield or something like that it was something bananas it's like we won every game at home but one and then we just lost on the road at all times and it usually happened in the last ten minutes which is just a a crew thing that we do so. It would be interesting to see going on the road how we can like come out on the front foot and just I don't know get a couple points so we can win the shield this time. That would be nice, but yeah, definitely like. Oh, I've got a I've got a, a second one, and it it goes back to Ben's point is almost through the defense. You know, definitely showed up a little bit. Um, they were rough in the beginning of the season. Yeah. It got much better at the end. Marrero's playing fantastic. Amundsen. Um, Zawatsky when he came in. I mean, literally everybody at the end. But if they can start that way and secure that defense up, that's going to be a, a, a big key for this team. Yeah, and I think they've taken steps to do that, if I remember correctly, bringing in uh, uh, not this offseason per se, but Camacho. Uh, Shiburko, yeah, and, Chiburco, and, uh, yeah. Yep. and Camacho, Camacho as Chiburco. well. Yep. Uh, so, so definitely recognizing the issue and trying to, trying to solve it has been uh, a really nice thing there. And I think Derek Jones can help you out in that role as well, uh, as we were mentioning before. Yep. 
um, the, the big one for me, and, and this is from the outsiders, um, where is the weak spot on this team? I, I, and how are teams going to try and exploit it? Uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like they're starting 11 is, for the system that they play is nearly perfect. Um, and, and then you build off of that by some of the additions that you've made. Uh, and now you're looking at, as, a, as an outsider, how are we going to beat a team like this that is so comfortable in their system, they're so comfortable in their style, uh, they, they believe in their coach, they've got all the pieces to go ahead and, and do the dang thing again. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what I'm looking at here is where's the weak spot and how are people going to uh, exploit it? Like you mentioned, maybe center back, but that like you you said they fixed it towards the end yeah the two that i have are set pieces that's number one um corner corners especially um and number two is if if teams are able to apply the high press to the ball coming out of the back to the center mids or outside mids farsi um and yaw and whoever else is out there they were vulnerable at that position um and a couple of the, I mean, some of them were when Quentin was in, but that is that is one of the vulnerable spots because they're possession based because everybody's moving up the field. If you are able to press Aiden, press Nagby, win the ball, and then counter immediately, that is a time that we got scored on quite a lot last year. Yeah, super I, the, interesting. The, yeah, a lot of that though was like post leagues cup. And by that point, the system, I mean, at the very beginning of the season, he was like, we're going to play out of the back. We're going to do all this stuff. And we weren't ready for it. Like all you, they interviewed countless or like, you know, Aiden and all all the people. And they're like, yeah, pretty much keep the ball until you feel someone on your back. When you feel somebody, then you can like, you know, pass it. So it's, it breaking down that press, um, Oh crap! I just lost what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it's clicking on all cylinders, I think it's fine. But I, I think, you know, when Marrero started playing like he did at the end of last year, it was tough because a lot of it, you know, it really relies on on those those center backs, whoever are the two that are ball dominant, versus the guy who's on the weak side. Um, if one of them gets beat, if one of them pushes too high, that's where they become vulnerable. Um, but when, when they're clicking, when you got Marrero, Chaburko, Zawadzki, Aiden, I mean, whoever is playing kind of in that area of the field, not making mistakes, that, that's where you, you know, like the end of last year, I mean, they just, it was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally, totally agree with you guys there. One of the two things that kind of, I noted in this, in this section here was, um, and I kind of mentioned it before is that they're, they're comfortable in the style of play, but they also kind of have two switches, right? They've got the calm possess the ball. Uh, you know, they play beautifully and they, they win beautifully. And that's something you haven't seen in this league in a while, but they've also got the switch of the second we lose it. If we're in a really good position, we're going to counter press. And I, 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 tw- yeah. I think I tweeted this out. Um, it might've been the, it might've been the, uh, might have been either. Yeah, I think it was a uh, MLS Cup final against LAFC that Aiden Morris's counter press was unbelievable, and, and it's not something that I expected to see because they were so content in possession. 
and it felt like as soon as they lost the ball, they were just going to sit back and try and absorb it. But the second they lost that ball, Aiden Morris flipped the switch, counterpressed. He must have recovered eight, nine, ten balls in the first half, and LAFC couldn't do a dang thing about it. And that's something where, you know, the weak spot is not just the players, but also that system. So uh, it, it seems like teams are going to have to press them high and try and beat them off of the possession uh, and hope for a mistake because once they don't, if, if you're pressing and they get the ball up to that front three, goodness me, you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the biggest things with Aiden is that that is one of the, the keys to his game that makes him so good. When he, uh, The USA game versus Slovenia yep. a couple weeks ago, um, he he also did a very good job in that game, and they paired him with Zawatsky playing right behind him, um, of doing the exact same thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Aiden, and then you, not only that, but you get Aiden that wins the ball and then just puts it to Nagby, and then Nagby does Nagby things, and yes, it is, it's impressive to watch him play. How do you, yeah. how do you make Darlington Nagby 26 again? I, that, that man can't that man can't leave the league i don't know there was a picture of him with his shirt no. off i mean he still looks mint that guy's an absolute he yeah. looks 26 yeah that yeah, guy is he's... absolutely a linchpin to this team he's not vocal but man i mean there is definitely a common thread between like him being on teams that win the cup you know what i mean like it yeah. just it's just dude dude's a winner yeah yeah he, he yeah. puts it all together and uh, I, you know, my, my co-host is an Atlanta supporter and he says it all the time. He goes, letting go of Darlington Nagby was the worst mistake that club ever made. Yep. And, and he's spot yeah. on because, and, and, you know, getting him from Portland, Portland shouldn't have let him go because the dude was, was unreal. Like the fact that he's bounced around to yeah. three clubs already at that level is crazy. So and I, I have a feeling you guys aren't going to make that same mistake. No, I hope he, I hope he retires here. In, yeah. In he's an Ohio boy and played in Akron. Lakewood yeah. born and raised. He's, yep. Yeah. From Cleveland. So Yeah, we we absolutely love him. I mean, just watching him play is it's it's and I don't want to compare him to Messi, but it's the same kind of thing, like where you he plays with such a, a fluid, almost slow motion that it's like tackle him, tackle him, yeah. tackle him. But he just glides past players. Yeah, it seems like you can just take um, the ball off and of Messi. You can't that's not a thing that happens. No. Yeah, and so. and he's good for a world year too, too. Every once in a while, he gets one. He gets <laughs> yep. one a season outside the box. <laughs> if we're lucky too, but yeah, take it, take him any way you can get him, right? Yeah, well, there's no. Complaints. I've got. Yep. I got one more question for you guys before we wrap this up, and it's it's pretty simple. On the on decision day, final whistle blows. Where does Columbus Crew finish in the Eastern Conference? Top of the table supporter shield winners. Yep. Yeah, and I think and the reason behind that is the supporter yeah. shield winners historically have started off the season well. You know, we we came into our own halfway through the season. I think we were like sixth or something like that in the East before League's Cup or something, like maybe a week or two. But we ended up third in the league altogether, and we have not stopped since then. And we've only gotten stronger. I think at the beginning of the season we're going to come out swinging, and then it's just we're just going to have so many points it's going to be hard for people to catch up. Atlanta does look good. Montreal looks good. There are some really good teams, but I, I think it's going to be hard to take MLS Cup back, but I think Supporter Shield and winning the League League is is totally within our reach. 
So I'll, I'll fill in for my co-host who couldn't be here today. And his phrase when we do Eastern Conference previews is, the Eastern Conference is a bloodbath. There are oh, yeah. so many good teams in there. But what we both would agree is that it is led and, and the front runner is Columbus Crew. It's a top three side in the entire league. And realistically, that's a top three side in the East because the West is not nearly as, as competitive or strong. But no. um, yeah. a, as I mentioned before, I don't really see a weak spot in this team from player personnel to system to commitment to the system to commitment to the team. I mean, every they've got everything going for them. Um, and really, the, I, I, the only thing, and I'm going to knock on every piece of wood that I can, is an injury that, that takes us out, you know? like, And that's that's the only way that I think anybody can disagree with, a, at, at the very least, a top three finish. But I would I would agree that early favorites for the Supporter Shield, um, I'd put I'd put the betting odds on Columbus Crew. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way it is. It, the, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, the interesting thing is even if there is no, an injury – you know, Wilford is ha- has a way of Adept. making it work. I mean, at the end of the season, you're like, oh, you know, Malty Amundsen was awesome. I'm like, dude, that guy's a left wing back. He was playing left, like, center back. Half, like, half the season was Zawatsky, who was, a you know, a six or an eight. He was playing, like, an eight for crew, too. And then, like, you're a yeah. center back now. And he's like, got it. And, like, Marrero was a converted, you know, right back to a center back. Camacho comes in. Like, he's just throw. I mean – the commitment and buy-in of the team we to play this coin, system like was, a, is is key. Yeah. So, like, if something does happen, like Sands go out, we like to use. We'll, okay. yeah. I, I think that he actually will. He, he'll be able to be fine through it. it. It if we lose Nancy, I think that is that's going to be key. It, first and foremost, if anything, I don't think that would happen until the end of the year, but. We kind of coined a term of you know who you know patat the potatoes, the pa- potato goes with everything, and that's that. Hopefully, that's what Derek Jones is. That's what Zawatsky is. That's what Amundsen is. That's what you know. You go down the list of these players, Matan, um, that can play all of these different positions. And in Nancy's system, it, it's just amazing how he just plug and you know he just plugs and moves people around and. and even the injuries, I'm not that concerned besides the big ones. Yeah, Cucho, Cucho would be rough. You know, because you got to have somebody like Cucho would be rough. But then behind that, you've got Ramirez, Rossi, Russell Rowe. You know, so, yeah, it, it's an odd place to be sitting here confidently saying your team's going to win the possibly win the championship, come in first place in the supporter shield. But I don't know any other answer that I could honestly say that. You know what I mean? Like, I look at this team and I'm just like, there's no reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, I, you, I you asked to interview on. us and I'm like, you asked to interview us and I was like, why? It's the same thing. Like, we saw what happened last season. Like, we're literally nothing has changed except for like one dude. We'll probably just <laughs> yeah. do the same thing, go out and score four goals a game and just moonwalk to the another championship. I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's yeah, tough. That's not going to happen. We're that, we're not that no. cocky, but. <laughs> It, take, it takes some <laughs> luck to win the cup. Always, yeah, always. For sure. But I think I think it's a team that that a lot of people are going to put eyes on. And the one thing I'll say that I, I forgot to mention here when we were talking about uh, the commitment to to everything and, and how the team is completely bought in, it's not just 
one to 28 on the roster. It goes all the way down through the, the youth team too, right? You guys are producing players at a, at a rate that rival Red Bull, Philly, Dallas. I mean, it's, it's incredible yeah, how important. it's, yeah, it's incredible how successful you guys have been with the youth movement. I mean, you, you've already mentioned Schulte and, and Zawadzki and, and Arfston and, and all these players that are coming in through the crew two system, which means that even if you were to lose Nancy or get an injury, that next guy up knows exactly what's going on. And, and that is such a big key part to not just the success of a single season, but a long-term success and, and being successful over a three, four, five year span instead of just a three, four, five month span. Uh, and that's the other reason why I think there's a lot of belief in this, in this team from the neutral right now saying, you know what? It, it might be a race for second this year. And, and you guys are, are in a really nice spot, I will say. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky. We're very fortunate to have the things fall our way. You know, everything since the Save the Crew to where we're currently at has been has been wonderful. Like, has been, yeah, it's it, been worth a the fight. Truthfully, I mean, two championships, a stadium, and, you know, Bezpachinko, Nancy, and even Porter. I mean, like, everything, every step along the way has been what you would want your team to be doing. And every other MLS team and should do it, that. Yeah. Should use us as like, I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> like there's no reason these teams, we don't, we didn't sign Messi. You know what I mean? But we won. Like there's a way to do it, you know? And it starts with, like you said, with the, with the Academy, I just counted eight of our current roster players, which is a third are from a, the Academy. Like that's speaks volumes. And I, it's it's exciting i'm stoked i'm ready for it yeah you guys have got me you guys got me excited just to watch you guys on on mls 360 at this point like i just want i just want to get some crew crew action (laughs) because you guys are uh you need some more crew gear i'm gonna give you all all the things (laughs) well i I don't know i don't know if i can fit any in my my red bull drawer i've got i got enough red bull gear that i don't know if i can i can fit any (laughs) more but um, listen, guys, I wanted to thank you so much for, for coming on and, and spending a little bit of time chatting about uh, the Columbus crew with me. I really appreciated uh, sitting down and having this conversation. It was a blast. Thank you. Hey, Andrew, thanks for having us, man. I appreciate it. You do a great job. Yeah, Andrew, thank you. I appreciate you guys. and I really enjoy your work, too. So uh, hopefully we can get together and work uh, work together again soon. Maybe uh, a previewing or, or reviewing a, a crew Red Bull game at some point, uh, depending on the outcome, I think. Yeah, it'll be yeah, fine. Be we'll tie seven to seven. <laughs> Love it. Hey, listen, if we can score seven goals, I don't even care if it's in a game. We can score seven goals in a season. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, you've had it rough. <laughs> I've watched man. Tom Barlow for four years. I'll take seven goals. Yeah, it's been brutal. Um, I'm a John Tolkien so before, fan, so. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, I'm glad he's still here for at least another half season because I think uh, I don't think we had a proper replacement for him. But um, yeah, it'll be good to see nope. him for another another half season. But. Um, I, I want to give you guys a chance to let all of our listeners know where uh, to find you guys on the socials and, and things like that. So go on and plug away. Yeah, sure. Twitter's uh, at Upper Ninety Club Pod. I think that's the same across Facebook and Instagram. It's just Upper Ninety Club Pod, um, and that's pretty much where we're at. Come join the club. It's fun. We get weird on our podcast. 
It's a blast. The Upper Ninety Club. You can find the podcast on. Yeah, the yeah. the the name comes from the original bar that was in the historic Crew Stadium. It was called the Upper Ninety Club, and it was always we're like, oh, join the club, and that was like twenty years ago, and we're just five friends that do this for fun because we love it and we love soccer. So check us out. And you can find the podcast on all the major ones. Any anything where you find podcasts, you will find us on there. Spotify, Apple Podcast. Um, used to be Stitcher. Try not to find us. So do that. I dare <laughs> you. Uh, well, if you got you guys are a wild and fun podcast. First of all, love the story of where the name came from. I love I love finding out how those things work. Um, you know, because that 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 gives you a little bit extra meaning to it, right? But um, you know, if you guys are are, are a wild and fun podcast, our listeners are going to love you because we're the same over here. We do it for fun and we, we, we like to have a good laugh. So I uh, wanted to appreciate you guys again. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we hope everybody enjoyed this episode of the designated players and MLS podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe to see our next episode, which uh, is coming up either later today or, or tomorrow based on the, the way we're getting these interviews out. So uh, make sure to subscribe for all your MLS news and we will see you next time on the next episode of the designated players and MLS podcast. See ya. See ya.